Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. Welcome to the latest episode of The Shamrock. I'm Pete Sampson, joined by Matt Fortuna. I'm above Heinz Field, Matt's presumably in his home office, uh, following Notre Dame's 45-3 demolition of Pittsburgh, um, which was kind of interesting in its own right, but became much more interesting post-game uh, when I asked Brian Kelly about, all right, you know, how much of the performance today strikes you as if you're going to be Clemson, you got to play more like this. And I think, you know, you and I have been in enough head coach press conferences when you mention a big game down the road that's not the immediately the next week. It's just sort of like a trigger, um, and they shut down and get into one game at a time, uh, sports ball coach speak. And that didn't happen, which I thought was really refreshing and really important because that's exactly what Notre Dame, Notre Dame needed a performance like this in the context of Clemson in two weeks to have a chance to beat Clemson in two weeks. Couldn't agree with you more. Let me read the quote uh, for our listeners who, who may not have heard it or seen it uh, online. Uh, Brian Kelly opened up his postgame press conference with his usual opening statement, but said, yeah, we have to do what we do now. We'll, we'll basically dictate who we become as a football team. And, and Pete had the first question, asked about the importance of all three phases and threw in the word Clemson, which, as you said, I thought was just going to scare him to death and say, we got Georgia Tech next. That's all I'm talking about. And no, he said, quote, a lot of times you kind of get caught up in the grind of just trying to win football games. And we kind of said, look, we're past this. We're not interested in just winning football games. We're interested in being a championship football team and just playing to win games is not good enough anymore. We need to elevate our compete level. We need to coach better. We need to play better. We need to play at an elite level and it starts with playing at a level that allows you to not all of a sudden play your best when you have to but have that ready to go because you're playing at a high level and that hasn't been the case. So that was a challenge and that's risky, right? Because in some instances, people would say you're looking ahead. Well, we are looking ahead a little bit. We need to get this football team to understand they're really good. We need to up our compete level in all three phases and we did that today, end quote. Um, yeah, couldn't see it better. I mean, maybe he listens to the podcast and wants to join us this week. <laughs> um, between his Ian Book takes and his takes on Clemson being more or less a one-game season, I mean... You never hear that out of a coach. You don't. I mean, 
I didn't see the final score of Georgia Tech. I know they're getting killed by Boston College today, but you think George, Jeff Collins talked all about Notre Dame this week? You think he even entertained a Notre Dame question? No, he's the most coach speak of all coach speak coaches there is, and he would only talk about Boston College, I'm sure. And Brian Kelly and the Notre Dame program for a long time has been like that as well. And um, I thought it was interesting to hear Kelly say, we're not interested in just winning football games because that's like, I, I'm not trying to minimize what they've done here, but that's been the program in some of their best years in a nutshell in some ways. It's just mm-hmm. week to week, getting by by the skin of our teeth. Um, all right, we, we won. We're not going to apologize for it. We'll come back and do the same next week. Brian Kelly is just so good at winning football games, you know, any which way. And I think even in year 11, there's this sense uh, of a lot of fans and people on the outside to look and think, you know, why haven't you had that elite, you know, NFL first-round quarterback? Why haven't you lit up the scoreboard every single week like you did at Cincinnati? Um, why haven't you played your best in those big games? And more often than not, their seasons become one-game referendums, whether it's Georgia, Miami, Clemson, mm-hmm. whomever. Um, and, and look, that's going to be the case again this year, but but for Brian Kelly to essentially acknowledge that, and I'm sure light a spark under his team, right? I mean, we recite the numbers on here every week about the number of teams they've beaten in a row who are unranked. The number 29. Of home, 29. The number of home wins they've had in a row uh, since, since Georgia. 22. Thank you, Pete. Um, 11 straight wins. 11 straight wins. That's boring, you know? Like, it just is. <laughs> and I'm sure for the players it is too. It's human nature. Like, all right, we beat 45-3, to 3, BFD. Like, no, like... <laughs> Like, you need to have a, a higher goal and a higher target when you've proven that you can take care of business so efficiently the way this program has over the last three and a half years now. And for Brian Kelly to to basically put that bullseye on that game two weeks ago, even though they still have to go to Atlanta next week and play Georgia Tech, uh, I don't think you could do that unless you have a really mature football team that you know very well and that knows you very well and that you feel comfortable challenging to to, to – take care of business while also not losing sight of the big picture. I, yeah, I thought that it, I thought one of the most important things from tonight's game was like, it's e- I I don't want to say it's easy to talk like that after the game. Cause it's not. Cause if it was more coaches would be as honest as Brian Kelly was post game. But I thought it was super important that pretty much every lever he pulled in the last week, like hit, um, you know, they got something on special teams. The defense was even better than it was the previous week. And then you had a quarterback who took deep shots, who trusted some players to go up and make plays. Ben Skoranek, two catches for 102. Um, yeah, two um, yeah, two catches for 107, both touchdowns, 73-yarder. Um, you know, Michael Mayer led the team in receptions, five catches, 73 yards, and an awesome touchdown where – you know, in, in a lot of ways, like Ian Book was late on the throw and it's just like, all right, hey, five-star Ted, and you go up and get it. Um, and there were pit, three three pit defenders around, no problem. Mayor jumps up, gets it, led the team in targets with eight. Uh, that's all really positive stuff because, you know, la- last week, it really put a ceiling on what mm-hmm. Notre Dame could be. Like, they, they couldn't be a half a team. Um, they couldn't just play great defense and then just hope – Hope the offense did something. The offense needed to sort of carry its weight and to do that tonight against or today against Pitt, who is not good. I mean, it's not a well coached uh, football God. team. Is seems to be going nowhere. The quarterback play is god awful. But they had a good run defense. I mean, they have some pieces defensively. Uh, and I thought, you know, Notre Dame didn't carve them up on the ground, just 115 yards, but I believe they picked up four third and ones on the ground. Um 
situationally, they were really good on the ground tonight. And um, I just I, I feel like it it gets you back into a, a mental space if you're Notre Dame, whether you're a listener of this podcast or you're in the locker room, that like, yeah, we got a shot against Clemson because the Notre Dame team that showed up against Louisville didn't. Each program's in a different position, so I don't want to make this an apples-apples comparison, but but last week, Notre Dame barely beats Louisville as Clemson beats Georgia Tech 73-7, to and we're all like, we're kidding ourselves if we think these two teams will, will, will play a competitive game on the same field in a couple weeks. Uh, after Notre Dame wins 45-3 to today, and after Clemson wins 47-21, which uh, in a game that was much closer, I think, than the final score indicated, Syracuse, for some God-unknown reason, uh always plays their best against Clemson. So, Dabo Swinney wants you to know that he is well, just exactly. trying to win so a football I'll game. I'll read you <laughs> the post-game quotes from Dabo Sweeney, uh, courtesy of our old nerd AMB colleague Anna Hickey, uh, who tweeted this out. Um, it, it, Clemson, you know, they won by 26. They were up six in the second half. Uh, they got a, a scoop and score that broke the game open in the second half. It, they didn't cover, but, you know, whatever. They, they won by a lot. They win every game by a lot. They're Clemson. <laughs> Um, but Trevor Lawrence, I guess, came out and, and, and talked about, um, I don't know if it was a lack of urgency or what it was. Oh, he said the energy wasn't where it needed to be. So Anna energy, asked Dabo right. about that. And I'll read Dabo's quote, which couldn't be any more different from Brian Kelly's after a, a blowout win. Quote, I thought we got up 17 nothing and went right down the field and scored on the opening drive. So I just want to make sure I'm at the right press conference here. We did win the game, I think. Want to make sure I'm at the right spot. Am I at the right spot? Okay, just want to make sure. I think we won the game. I think we won it. You don't usually score 47 points if you don't have the right energy. It's not energy when you don't make a certain play or snap the ball over the head. You just didn't execute. At the end of the day, it's not easy to win. There are teams out there that would have lost this game with the amount of mistakes we made, but we won the game by almost four touchdowns. I think this is the right press conference. I just want to make sure. I'm not getting any questions about, are you proud of your guys for winning the game? A lot of negative questions. You're not going to get any negative from me. End quote. I feel like I just did a couple more ad reads with those Kelly and uh, Dabo uh, quote, quote reads. Um, <laughs> I, I am not going to unintentionally you know, merge some of your ad reads with Dabo Swinney, but continue. You might saying that just now. He'll listen to this and put a baby on Notre Dame in a couple weeks because he, he needs a reason to be pissed off, apparently. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I don't agree with that, but I mean, what? I, I don't know how else you try to keep your team motivated when you're uh, – winning a game by 26 points in conference and it's disappointment, which it kind of was. I mean, let's not beat around the bush. Trevor Lawrence himself came out and, and said as much, but I, I, I do think that shows the difference in philosophy, at least on a, a Saturday like today, where Notre Dame was thinking big picture, Clemson was thinking small picture. Uh, obviously, they'll all be thinking the same picture in two weeks, but I, I just think, again, that illustrates how rare and how different, how unique, unique it was for Brian Kelly to uh, basically put all his cards on the table out there post game today like you did. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Yeah, uh, I, I thought that was it was smart to be upfront and honest. Like I think that people see through that stuff. Um, you know, and we only got two players after the game, um, so it, nobody, nobody said Clemson. Um, it was said in questions by me, but it wasn't repeated back. But I don't. I guess it's you know they they have they put themselves out there enough now that um, you know what's 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 I think the way Brian Kelly phrased it was you know what's important now, um, you know, but also sort of like what's important later or you know what will be important right. in the future. Uh, you know, you got to merge those two things together and like. Notre Dame was not gonna not gonna get close to where they want to go if Ian Book throws for 100 yards. Um, they're not gonna get close to where they go if you know they can't find somebody on the outside. Which, when this game started, you felt like even more pessimistic about that in some ways because Kevin Austin had rebroken his foot, uh, fifth metatarsal, broke it right on the screw. As Brian Kelly, uh, you know, confirmed after the game happened in practice, he's done for the season. Braden Lindsay comes up lame with a hamstring sort of re-injury. I'm not sure if it's the same hamstring as before, but, you know, a, a meaningless play toward the end of the game, which there are so many Same people on Twitter that'll be like, well, why do you put Brendan Clark in the game? If you're not going to let him run the offense, well, you let him run the well, offense. The receivers and need all the work they can get. Like you can't pick and choose. Yeah. So it's like, I, I, I chalk that up as right. it's really unfortunate, but not, uh, not a, not a blame game type of situation. Um, and then, like, I loved – I didn't ask about this. I didn't have a chance to. But, like, I love that they called a fake field goal up four touchdowns in the third quarter. Like, it, it definitely seemed like a game where they – while they were not concerned well, Clemson about Clemson ran a game, fake like, punt and ran a, a wide receiver pass to Trevor Lawrence in the first half. <laughs> sticking it to Pat Narduzzi, I felt like, probably felt good to some people at probably, Notre Dame. Probably felt good um, to some people at Pitt after today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe some people. That uh, yeah, it was, I think if there was the biggest downside for today's game was Troy Pride, Khalid Kareem, and Sam Mustafa all stumping for Clark Lee as a future head at, coach. At Pittsburgh. Um, be, <laughs> I yeah, mean, that, maybe that would be Pittsburgh. an ideal we'll situation. If things work out. I don't know. Maybe not after today. Maybe that's the whole point of running up the score. Is like Clark, you don't want like look at that mess. You, you can't go there. That's that's speaking ridiculous. of uh, Bob Diaco, great win today over Iowa in his uh, coordinator debut for Purdue. Oh, that's right. Had to get that in there. As our old friend Marty Biaggi was out, uh, former Notre Dame assistant, uh, due to COVID protocols, unfortunately. Um, oh, wow. Um, by the way, question, question, and, uh, of what we're talking about the Shrevers. 
if Javon McKinley is a beast after 107 yards for Florida State and Ben Skoranek is a security blanket after two catches on the season, what's Skoranek after today? I think that Skoranek has uh, a self-confidence that doesn't need to be sort of like elevated on a week-to-week basis. I think Skoranek knows he's Skoranek knows he's good and knows what he can is capable of, whereas they have to sort of rebuild Javon McKinley a little bit week to week. What what a um, weird play, by the way, on his his. Uh, I don't think it was by design. Oh, okay. There's well, no way that I mean, was by design. The DB was like, but that's OPI. I don't need to run after no, this. No, oh, well, that like, one. I meant McKinley's on the uh, the pass back into the flat after Ian Book decided to run. The other oh, side yeah, the that was also I bizarre. I don't think that was by design. If it was, I mean, that was awesome, but I, I don't think it was. It was just a weird kind of broken play that worked out for everyone on offense. Yeah, I'm not sure either. But, uh, yeah, it was just Skoranek. I have confidence that if it's a competitive catch, Skoranek mm-hmm. can make it. Um, I'm not saying he is going to light it up at the NFL Combine, um, or he is, you know, somebody who's going to get drafted, um, you know, on the first couple of days. But at the college level, I think he can go out and maybe not elevate over somebody, but like be physical enough at the high point of the pass to get it. And I think that sort of showed up certainly on the 70, 73 yarder, um, where he just sort of kind of outmuscled somebody to get it. Like that's. Notre Dame needs to have a player with that in their bag, um, a receiver with some confidence in themselves. And, like, you know, they, they certainly have it with Skoranek. I don't think that's going to need a lot of maintenance from the coaching staff. Uh, they certainly have it in Mayer now. That's not going to need a lot of maintenance from the coaching staff. I think they have some other receivers who are kind of uncertain about, I guess, maybe not necessarily their roles, but they just don't make enough plays. Um you, you certainly need more than Ben Skoranek and Michael Mayer to go against Clemson and have a chance, but um, it's a it's at least a, a couple steps in a good direction on a weekend that felt pretty negative in the sense of Lindsey's injury and Austin's injury before the game because you know in an ideal world I always felt like Notre Dame's best personnel group was going to be Austin Lindsey, Mayer, and Trumbull, um, and now those two receivers are Austin's done for the year, Lindsey. I'm not sure when we're going to see him again. Those hamstrings have been pretty tricky for, for that position. Tom McShay, who was a sideline reporter for the game, said, quote, most talented player on offense uh, about Michael Mayer. Uh, he said, obviously, Kyron Williams has been kind of the go-to guy so far this year, but um, he just absolutely loves watching plays. I think everyone does. The baby crock Nick Davis is out of full force um, after five games for him so far. Don't think we'll have a quarterback controversy with, with Kyron Williams. He uh, officially did not throw any passes <laughs> thanks to the uh, thanks to the penalty. Um, but I thought that was an interesting wrinkle. Uh, you had, I think, five pass plays as your prediction of 20 yards or more? I said four there or were five, six. I think. Uh, and, and, like... To be fair, I meant downfield. So McKinley's one clearly <laughs> is not twenty yards downfield. Um, but you know the the touchdown to Mayer, I thought was a great throw. Um, just keep the ball high, let him go get it. I mean, certainly the two to Skoranek were excellent. Um, you know, so they. I just I like that book was letting it rip. Yeah. Um, you know, I think I want to say he overthrew Lindsey, or yeah, I think in the first half, um, and Lindsey came out of the game, but. Um, that's man that is just what they need from him at that position I, I don't the way that they run the ball you know I think that we've been trying to get back to judging Ian Book on at Wake Forest in 2018 and Stanford when they threw so much mm-hmm. short stuff 
that it was, you know, the way Brian Kelly describes it is an extension of the running game, which sort of, I mean, drives me nuts on a personal level because, I mean, the running game is you're establishing your identity, your physicality, and when you're throwing slip screens, you're not, um, or you're establishing a different identity. Um, they don't really throw a lot of that stuff anymore. So the fact if he's a 55% passer, but he's taking six, seven, eight, nine shots down the field, I think if you're Notre Dame, you can kind of live with that a little bit more because it's they're going to need chunk plays moving forward. They just, they really have not had a Pitt lot had of it today. Twelve penalties and ten first downs today. Uh, the just atrocious. I mean, it's like they just they seem practice? so undisciplined in some of these games. And uh, sure, you know, this Joey Yellen would basically walk to the sideline to get the play every single snap, uh, and the announcing crew was. Very critical of it during the game. Uh, point to the 2018 game, get 2018 game against Notre Dame as well. And uh, speaking about Pat Narduzzi and that staff's basically paranoia about sign sealing, so forth. And Sean McDonough just goes straight to the point, says, "Find a better way to signal." Like it, this is, it's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> it just looks so discombobulated. And you know, whatever they've tried did not work today, obviously, because uh, they they had a. a Absolute atrocious day offensively. Uh, thought it was interesting. David Davis Bavale and Brendan Clark both came in back to back drives. Uh, backup quarterbacks for both teams late in the third. Uh, it got to the point late in the game where uh, Sean McDonough played his old call of Tony Bike to Armand Benz for the game winning touchdown, Cincinnati at Pitt, to win the Biggie's title in Brian Kelly's final game uh, as a non Notre Dame coach. Uh, that's what. The uh, broadcast crew was, was scrapping together for material as Notre Dame blew the clock out because uh, the game just didn't want to end. <laughs> yeah, that, it, it, the game definitely did drag on. It'll be – I sort of lost track of all the guys that got into the game uh, on the back end of it. I mean, you had – they went really deep um, pretty much at every position. That's usually a positive. Um, I mean, overall, it's like – it's by far – I'm trying to think that the – when Notre Dame has played this well, when's the last time Notre Dame played this well against a Power Five Duke team? last year, probably Iowa State. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I don't want to throw yeah. that one in your face. Yeah, but probably. Like, yeah, thank you. <laughs> remind, yeah, no, but I'll, I'll say this. I mean, it yeah. reminded me a little of that Wake Forest game two years ago, where there was this. Obviously, obviously, there's a new quarterback oh, that yeah. game, and so everything changed when Ian Book came in for Brandon Wimbush. But I mean, that that was a single point, single digit point spread. Wake was a very popular upset pick. Mm-hmm. Notre Dame's offense was coming off back-to-back terrible performances in which they barely beat Vanderbilt in Ball State. Um, and Notre Dame comes out there with Ian Book and puts up 56 points at Wake Fires as defense coordinator the next day. I mean, it was just like, who is this team? Like, what, what, where did it come from? And in that case, it was as simple as getting a guy in under center who knew the offense and could distribute the ball effectively. In this case, I think it was a – a challenge from the coaching staff and a recognition from those within the locker room that, hey, we're a hell of a lot better than we played so far. We can't just kind of make this season a drag until November 7th. We need to throw our best punch this week, and, and what better time to do it than right now on the road? And uh, I think we saw a different and much more complete team today that I wouldn't go so far as to say answer a lot of questions, but, I mean, I was on the ACC po- Atlantic and Coastal, our ACC podcast with Andy Bitter um, earlier this week, and – while we were talking up a Virginia Tech team that ended up losing to Wake Forest today, he was. <laughs> yeah, I, I believe Bitter was Bitter is like kind of a Notre Dame. Well, he was just like a kid, the number three team in the country, and I'm not going to do that. I mean, 
anyone who watched Georgia at Alabama last week, I mean, tell me another team that's going to go into Tuscaloosa and be leading at halftime other than Clemson. Right. There aren't any. Um, I, I don't think Georgia should be punished that much for losing. And now that the Big Ten's back, we'll we'll see more brand names into the mix. But um, I, I, I was not sounding the alarm bells there for Notre Dame, same as I was this past week uh, whenever we did these shows, because um, I just thought they eventually they would wake up and click for them. And it happened to be today on the road against a team that probably wasn't as good as we thought they were, but uh, was still a, a formidable opponent, at least defensively. And Notre Dame wasted no time to, to take them out. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Yeah, I mean, they were, it's when the game was in doubt in the first quarter on the first drive, Notre Dame went down the field and scored. Um, you know, it certainly got off to a really nice start. It looked like it was going to be a lot of work to move the ball on Pittsburgh. That was just sort of the vibe I got watching the play calls and how the passing concepts were developing. But by the end, it really wasn't. Um, and so, yeah, a full credit to, to Tommy Reese for – kind of keeping keeping everybody with it and keeping everybody sharp and, and moving forward with this because, you know, for a young offensive coordinator, the static that you would catch after 12-7, I think could make you sort of, you know, like, all right, do I need to change some things or do I need to sort of redouble what I'm already doing? Um, I think that uh, you sort of doubled down on what, what was working and found a way to sort of get the the roster in a in a good headspace mentally it was you know Ben Skronik after the game uh, talked about hanging out with Ian Book after the Louisville game and knowing and just sort of sensing how pissed off Book was um, so I think they certainly got some juice out of offensively from not playing well last week there was a good bounce back from it so now we see if they can keep it going forward but I look they're gonna have six games under the belt when Clemson visits if they will have if they're playing two back-to-back performances like this, if they destroy Georgia Tech the way they did to Pittsburgh today, then I think you would have to feel a lot better about Notre Dame's chances at, at hacking it against Clemson. Um, and that is that is significant, not for me and you and not for listeners of this podcast, but for people in the Notre Dame locker room who are practicing Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, who are you know ultimately going to decide who wins the game. Because I'm not sure if Notre Dame had earned the right to have a whole lot of self-belief that they could beat Clemson before today. And, and now I feel like they've, they've got a shred of that. On our friends at DraftKings app, the line is dropped from 15.5 to 14.5 for Clemson. The money line, however, is minus 835 Clemson plus 440 Notre Dame. I mean, I think we all think Clemson's a worthy favorite here. I'm not going to risk $800 to win. $100 on them. Um, I would take Notre Dame 4-1 to one odds uh, w- with that one while I can. George Tech ended up losing today, 48-20 loss in college. Old friend Phil Dracovic, 145 yards passing, 94 yards rushing. Um, we'll know this tomorrow, probably late afternoon or su- Sunday afternoon or, or Sunday night, but let's play guess the spread for Georgia Tech next week. Oh, man. 16-and-a-half. Uh, Oh wow, I, I I can't see it being within twenty. Um, wow, I'll go twenty. I'll go twenty-one. Okay, I mean, I, 
Pitt was picked so Pitt has a lot more raw material on their roster mm. than Georgia Tech did, even if they didn't play like it today. Okay. And now you're playing an Dame team that's proven it can play at a level that it hadn't proved it could play at yet this season. And Georgia Tech, after the last two weeks, looks a lot more like the Georgia Tech team I think we all thought they would be this year. Um, yeah, they're pretty I, bad. I, I mean, that I, may have just – look, Florida State came back to earth hard today. Um, maybe their defense was never good to begin with. Like, I don't – that didn't fool anybody. Just Like, North Carolina threw all over them in the second half. Um, but I think when Georgia Tech beat Florida State, you're like, hmm, all right, maybe they're kind of a 500 team. And then they beat Louisville, and you're like, well, I kind of like Louisville before, but, you know, that's impressive, maybe, sort of. But no, I think Georgia Tech is just bad. Um, I mean, they, they play hard. It's a young, very young team with a very energetic, uh, young coaching staff. They play hard. I mean, it wasn't a shock to me that they won at Florida State. Uh, it was a shock to me they beat Louisville by as many as they did, although I think three Louisville fumbles had a lot to do with that. And then it's not a shock when Georgia Tech goes into Syracuse and turns it over, I think, five times and loses a game that they probably should have won on paper. So, I mean, they're erratic. I mean, I think you get that from young teams um, each and every week, and that makes it a little bit unpredictable from a guessing the spread standpoint. But, no, it's not anything to – to worry about if you're a Notre Dame. That is, it was going to be at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome, now going to be on campus. Correct. First one since 06, right? The opener? Yep. Brady Quinn? Yep. That was the last time they were at Georgia Tech. Um, so, yeah, it's been uh, it's been a minute on that trip. I will I will actually not be covering that game in person. Um, I'll give you a clue. The last regular season Notre Dame road game that I did not cover the head coach of the victorious team was Tyrone Willingham at Stanford, at Stanford in 2001 wow. when Randy Fasani outdueled Carlisle Holiday, a game that perhaps installed Tyrone Willingham as Notre Dame's next head coach. <laughs> so you're saying Jeff Collins will succeed Brian Kelly next year? No, I'm definitely not because uh, I don't think Georgia Tech's going to win the game. So, yeah, it's. I think it's, it, everything is set up for Clemson now – Notre Dame will be undefeated. Clemson will be undefeated. Like there was, there was little doubt to begin with. But you know, after Louisville, you're kind of like, er, you know, I, Pitt was a really popular. Upset Pittsburgh was a week. little tricky. Um, you know, I'm not like no one here on this podcast was like David Hale picking Pitt to go to the ACC championship game. But you know, this this game had a little, a little questionable. You know, who's going to win aspect to it? Not a lot, but some more than any other game Notre Dame has played this season. But after today. I mean, they just destroy them. They should hammer Georgia Tech next week, and then they will be undefeated when number one Clemson comes to South Bend in two weeks, and it will be should be one verse three or one verse four, which will be I think since I think you got to go back to Florida State ninety um, three the Florida State ninety three game to have a, a number one visiting in a in a top five game uh, in Notre Dame Stadium. You were not covering that one. I was not. I was not covering that one. I think I was a freshman in high school. So. Didn't, did not make it to that. <laughs> I'm going to, I was going to make a joke about both head coaches from that game and the way they've been in the news lately, but we don't venture into that space here. Um, I do I do think uh, next week I'd want to see Joe Wilkins, Lawrence Keys, and pretty much anyone in the passing game other than receivers, other than Ben Skoranek. Um I thought it was interesting that Brian Kelly said, like, we think Joe Wilkins is really good and we think Lawrence Keys will be back healthy. Um We'll see. I mean, I, I just think we get to the point 
you know, when I tweeted out what brutal news it was that Kevin Austin's going to be out, I had a number of replies that were like, can't say it's a brutal blow when the guy's never really been there. And I mean, I understand that line of thinking and I understand the line of thinking where you say, if your whole plan for getting better is counting on a guy who's either been injured or suspended pretty much his whole career and he gets injured again, like that's not much of a plan to begin with. I get that. Um, but someone's going to have to step up eventually outside of Skronik. And yeah. I mean, Lindsay's hurt as well. And uh, Brian Kelly, it was good to hear him say he has faith in his guys and Wilkins and Keys. I'm shocked we didn't get the the old, this is the NFL. We can't just sign anyone off the street. We're, we have who we have, which he likes to dip into um, more than once a year. Um, so we, we really got a new Brian Kelly today post game. Yeah, it was, uh, it was refreshing. So, it, I mean, over, look, it was a refreshing performance from Notre Dame because we haven't seen that kind of complete game against a Power 5 team in quite some time. Uh, you know, Duke. Yeah, struggled a little bit. Um, I think there were some questions there. Louisville, obviously, a struggle. Florida State was just weird. Um, USF doesn't count. So, you know, it's a it's a good step forward for them. Um, you know, heading to Atlanta and then and then home to Clemson. So it's I, I think Notre Dame's probably in a, the best headspace that it's been in, in since the season started. Yeah, no no disagreements from here. Stay healthy, stay safe, do all, follow all the protocols. Um, selfishly, like I just, I just want to see this game. I mean, once, I, like I mean, they've had one top ten home game in Brian Kelly's tenure, right? Yeah, and it was twenty eighteen Stanford, one. which was, but like that twenty eighteen Stanford team was not any good. They no. won. They had a gift wrapped Oregon overtime win a week before, and so they were a top ten team in name only, and that was that. And it, it went the way I think a lot of us thought it went. Notre Dame ran them off the field. Um, I I started covering the team in 2011. There have been, I mean, there have been exciting games. There have been exciting finishes. There have been exciting atmospheres. There's never been one that will have the hype, even without 90% of the fans there, that that this one will have. And if I could fast forward to it, uh, I would. Uh, in the meantime, I will, uh, much like you, <laughs> be watching uh, Notre Dame, Georgia Tech from the comforts of my couch in Clemson, BC, I guess, on the other screen. Um, and we will uh, we'll just be counting down the days between now and then. Oh, um, I will tease our next guest. He got a, uh, a pretty big shout out at the end when again, Sean McDonough and Todd Blackledge were trying to, to kill time. They thank this individual for their help with getting them ready for this game. Um, you guys will like him. He, 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 he's very similar to Pete and me um, in ways that Mike McGlinchey isn't. We're definitely taking a break from our offensive line play. Uh... But yes. not not a break from the domes on Domers thing. No, definitely. So that will be that podcast will drop Tuesday or Wednesday of next week. Um, the interview scheduled for Tuesday. It should be a fun one. So uh, until our next episode, he's Matt Fortuna. I'm Pete Sampson. Thanks for being with us following Notre Dame's forty-five to three demolition of Pittsburgh. You've been listening to the Shamrock. Mm-hmm.